Well, hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Welcome to our discussion on underrepresented minorities in graduate management education. This is part of a series. The Diversity Dimension podcast series is brought to you by the Graduate Management Admission Council and is created in collaboration with Poets and Quants with support from our academic colleagues and industry partners. The Diversity Dimension is a six episode podcast series. So look for the other uh, episodes for sure. We're exploring critical themes shaping diversity, equity, and inclusion in graduate management education today. And uh, we have our terrific guest, uh, his name is Anthony Witten. He's Director of Diversity Admissions at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Anthony um, was a public teacher, a high school teacher of history for about a dozen years in Virginia before getting into admissions. He's been at Haas for four years. He initially joined as in, in the admissions office in more general admissions and I guess for the last uh, year, almost a year, you've been Director of Diversity Admissions. Anthony, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Greatly appreciate being here. And we appreciate you being here. So tell me how your role has changed in the admissions department and then put that into perspective with the other initiatives that Haas is doing around diversity and equity. Sure, absolutely. So when I first started at Haas, I was an associate director of admissions, and largely that was a lot of recruitment and outreach. In my new role, my big thing is basically my job is really just to think big. I get, actually get to work across all of our degree programs, both undergraduate and graduate, as we think about how to strategize around our outreach, recruitment, evaluation, and yield of diverse candidates here at Haas. And for Haas, that we've kind of looked at diversity um, among a number of different levers, including uh, those who identify as African-American or Black, Latinx or Hispanic, uh, Native American or Indigenous, also including women, as well as also LGBTQ+, as well as also vets. And one of the big things that's happening at UC Berkeley is that we are also incorporating thinking about, thinking about how we can add in those who are either Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander into that group of underrepresented students. And so specifically in my role, I work with all the green programs to kind of think about how we actually maximizing our ability to bring in those communities and have them be a part of the Haas community. So overall in our team is that we actually have a six member team. Um, I have a specific vertical that works in the admission space. I have a parallel colleague who works in the student experience space and does the same similar work that I do with all the degree programs. In addition, we also have an associate director of DEI who works with our staff and alumni and looking at those intersections of interactions. Uh, we also have our chief DEI officer who really spearheads our strategic thinking as well also guides our overall vision for DEI at Haas and works on the Dean Suite and coordinating those efforts. In this last year, we also added a faculty consultant who works with our faculty, both in terms of thinking about how to incorporate more DEI topics into their curriculum, but also helps them problem solve around situations that arise related to DEI in their classrooms. And then lastly, we also have an administrative assistant who supports our efforts overall and works with our entire team as we coordinate around Haas collectively. That's great because you're tackling it from every possible angle. And, you know, oftentimes when we think of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we think, 
uh, just student enrollment, but it relates to faculty, it relates to staff, and more importantly, it relates to another word that that is used, inclusion, and that includes uh, having more uh, women and minorities as protagonists in case studies, updating the classics in in cases that are explored in business uh, to reflect uh, today's more diverse workforce and and things like that. So having different people in these different angles, I think, really helps to get at this issue in a more thorough way, right? Yeah, and largely that's governed by our strategic plan where diversity and representation is just one part of it. There are two other parts where the second part is lifelong learning, where we believe that you're not really just done and spit in, on the journey of DEI. And then lastly, we also have a priority around belonging. And so it isn't enough just to get people inside of your community, but how are they actually interacting with systems? How are systems treating them? Do they feel as though they contribute and, and be a part of the community? And so we recognize that it isn't just enough to have representation, but it's also about what is the fulfillment and the thriving aspect of people in our community on our campus. Right. Now, I often think that one of the hurdles of getting more people uh, to go into graduate management education is the sticker shock many people inevitably feel when they look at the price tag on an MBA degree. And I wonder if you can provide a little more clarity on the true cost and the ROI, because what's often hidden is sort of the scholarships and the discounts that are meant to attract people who can't necessarily afford you know, a highly ranked MBA program like Haas. And I I agree that I think that the cost of an MBA education does shock some people, but I think that's only one part of the equation, especially as we think about what are barriers to graduate education, that I think that, and and speaking from the Haas perspective specifically, uh, and talking about living in San Francisco, no one really thinks about the tuition first. It, they all often think about, oh, that's San Francisco, that's expensive. But one of the things, especially that I've learned in my life, having like lived in Oregon and moved to San Francisco, is like the West Coast is generally more expensive. But this past summer, I went to Las Vegas for my birthday. Had never really experienced Las Vegas, Vegas expensive before. I went to Chicago this past summer and saw that gas was also $6 a gallon. <laughs> and I've also seen the housing reports out of New York City that were rents are more than they are in San Francisco. And so... Ultimately, I think as we think about the cost, it's really about the cost of attendance when we think when, when people are talking about what does it mean to go to business school. But the way that I've kind of started to talk about it, we thought about this idea is really, it's just about choices that, yes, California, San Francisco Bay Area does have an elevated cost to it. But ultimately, there are ways to defer that cost that particularly if you think about how you can like whether or not you want to live by yourself or live with roommates that all those all those choices add up to a different experience as a part of being part of having an, a graduate management education. True. The other thing I just want to emphasize too is that as we think about the barriers, I think that this cost thing is important, but I also think there are other barriers that are probably more prevalent that really impact how people interact with graduate management education. One of the biggest ones is systematic inequality in education. Because even from my own personal experience, my parents moved from New Jersey to Virginia because they wanted different educational opportunities for their children. And largely, they were only able to do that because my grandparents had government jobs that afforded them a generational wealth. They were able to help support my parents as they moved to South for mm. different opportunities. That ultimately, as we think about 
I should also mention that Abbott Elementary is one of my favorite TV shows right now um, as a former teacher. And so this last episode was really about this movement uh, uh, of opposition of like charter schools and what that all has to do in terms of public education. And I think one of the major things to take note is that that especially in the early 90s and, and through the 2000s, there was a lot of uh, academic work done around the idea of the school to prison pipeline. That as much as we think we might've resolved those issues in terms of educational opportunities not really becoming uh, key points to elevation for specific communities, particularly black and Latinx and other, other underrepresented groups, those issues haven't been solved. There are still things that happen and there are still situations that exist that persist that, that keep uh, those opportunities uh, decreased for those in um, underrepresented communities. Right. I think there's also an issue around how members of the community and how they perceive the benefits of an MBA. I actually just recently had a conversation with a prospective admin who was thinking about entrepreneurship because they've already launched their own businesses. Uh, but they were talking to other people and they were talking about the idea of why would I need an MBA? And they were discouraging him because he was already doing what he wanted to do. And so we had an honest conversation about, well, what's your ultimate goal? And really it was to scale up his business and to grow in leadership and kind of develop those skills he needed to like become a major corporation. Well, it's like, well, then you do need that MBA just in terms of really figuring out the landscape of how to actually find funding, but then also really thinking about how do you actually maximize your resources and actually become a leader like that makes all the sense in the world to actually go into and follow this pathway. And then the one other thing I, I do want to note just in terms of barriers, I also think there's an issue as we think about graduate education around institutional racism that sometimes masks as standards that particularly, especially as I've expanded and kind of grown in my role and, and gone outside of MBA, but having conversations about how PhD admissions are done and thinking about how people think about academic pedigree. pedigree and how that weighs into some places in terms of decisions that are made. I think that there are a lot of issues as we think about uh, what people expect from where they've been. I think it's especially in thinking about the Haas experience for me, it's one of the big reasons about why we really think about this idea of distance traveled as we think about the application process and really thinking about realizing that everyone's not on a level journey. There are a lot, a lot of different ways they come to their experience and being cognizant and recognizing that those are all important things to take into account as we consider the whole of who someone is. Yeah, that's those are really good points, Anthony. And and also, I think that a lot of uh, underrepresented minorities may feel like, you know, uh, they may not be included, they may not be heard, they may not uh, have the same voice that they deserve. Uh, and business school, rightly or wrongly, is often perceived as, you know, the establishment we when we know that business schools attract an eclectic group of people are pretty diverse and they're pretty open and they're pretty progressive. But nonetheless, this myth per, uh, pervades that it is, you know, these are conservative um, future uh, Republicans who don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> well, I think. Um, that yeah. The thing I would comment on that is that I think part of the reasons why I chose Haas, I really think about our defining leadership principles, which have really grounded not only how our students view themselves, but also just in a sense how our community, both faculty and staff also, also think of themselves. And so I think that our approach, particularly with Dean Harrison's emphasis on uh innovation, sustainability, inclusion as her big priorities, that yes. we are, are we ultimately want to encourage change makers to be a part of the world that we live in. And so ultimately, especially in the idea of like questioning status quo and going out and making sure that 
we are leaving things better than how we receive them as part of the big ethos at Haas. And so, and I, I totally can see that that idea, the as you described in terms of the stereotype being what a business school is. But I would say from my experience at Haas, we're probably the antithesis of that idea, that we believe in this idea of advancing and supporting each other as we collaborate and kind of move things forward, while also still recognizing that uh, there are some opportunities that might be closed for some, but it's also our hope that we are able to take our knowledge and help support others with the opportunities that we have that other people weren't able, able to have. Anthony, I also want to get the message out that there is a lot, a lot of scholarship aid, mm-hmm. uh, and and back to the cost. Uh, agreed about the cost of living in terms of being in the Bay Area, but uh, more than that, just a tuition cost can be significantly offset by scholarship help. Can you talk a little bit about uh, you know the scholarship aid that's currently available, not only at Haas but generally across? Uh, graduate business schools? Yeah, I think that uh, there are a number of different ways to engage with scholarship. I always uh, think about, for us, I think one of the challenges, particularly in California with Prop 209, that we aren't often, well, we aren't ever actually allowed to award scholarships in any of the protected classes. So where there are many of our colleagues and other institutions that don't have those limitations, uh, it's one of the big things in California where we kind of have to think about a lot, how do we actually maximize the use of our funds? So at Haas, what I can say is that specifically that there are basically four buckets of scholarship awards. We have our merit awards, which are based around someone's academic profile, as well as also their leadership profile and combination of the admissions committee making recommendations about awarding funds. Uh, Haas also prides ourselves in our need-based awards, where we take a look at our financial aid office, ask for financial information, financial information from applicants, and give scholarships to our most neediest students who wouldn't be able to attend otherwise. Uh, We also have our DEI values alignment scholarships. And so that's working through organizations like the Consortium, Ramba, Forte, where we partner with external organizations that really try to elevate and try to work in spaces to maximize equity across business. And so those are also opportunities for students to receive aid at our institution. And we also have a, a series of private foundation awards that typically also offer scholarships, which are all available on our scholarship portal as in terms of thinking about your interests as well as also applying for them. Yeah, that's a good overview. And I will say this, you know, uh, many, many people uh, get significant discounts on uh, MBA education today. Um, and they get those discounts through scholarship aid and financial support. And so the sticker shock that you may initially have when you look at a tuition price, um, you need to bear in mind that in many cases, particularly uh, if the school is interested in diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, the school is going to help you uh, attend, particularly if you're qualified to go. Um, Because I think most business schools, uh, do not want to prevent people from going who are qualified to attend merely because they can't uh, afford it. So schools are really bending over backwards to help people uh, pay the cost of uh, MBA programs. Uh, Anthony, I wonder if um, you might ex- explore with me, you know, a couple of the initiatives that Haas has put in place and what impact they've had on uh, DEI. Mm-hmm. And so 
one of the big things, especially as you just talked about, just in thinking about what are the things that enable people to go, we firmly believe as a public institution, it's a part of our mission to go out and serve and make sure that that our institution is accessible to uh, all groups. And as we think about how that works is that we, much like uh, we talked about DI being different verticals and everyone having their space, we also see that it's also important part of each of our programs having access and opportunities to engaging with diverse communities. So as a part of like my full-time work, I'm currently working on our Host Thrives initiative, which is really grounded in UC Berkeley's attempt to become a Hispanic serving institution. And so our hope is that ultimately 25% of the undergraduate population uh, will be uh, Hispanic or Latinx to qualify for the federal support and also the resources that come with that designation. But one of the big things about this commitment from Haas is that uh, we are actually also trying to engage with this topic at the graduate level, that the HSI designation really only applies to, an under, to the undergraduate population, but we recognize that that's not enough. And a state like California that's 40% uh, Hispanic or Latino with our population that is considerably less than that, uh, we're making an ardent effort to make sure that we're reflecting the community that we serve and making sure that we're providing opportunities to those that are uh, most, need, most in need in our specific space. Uh, in addition, there are also initiatives from the University of California itself. Uh, we have the uh, CIMO experience, which is the Summer Institute for Emerging for Emerging Managers and Leaders. And so that is a, a joint venture by all six uh, UC schools that offer graduate, graduate management education. And so each, each summer, uh, we bring a cohort of about 50 undergrads from uh, historically Black institutions, as well as also Hispanic-serving institutions, to a UC campus to experience each of the six campuses from a day of programming, as well as also local opportunities to understand what it means to actually go to grad school in California. And so that's another opportunity that uh, we're, we are trying to advance over the state overall. Um, actually, at Haas, we actually currently actually have two CMO uh, participants from the first cohort. And so there is one that's in our full-time program, and there's another that's in our evening weekend program. And so for us, it's been a great opportunity to really, really promote graduate education, but then also be able to support students who are coming from uh, communities that have been underrepresented in our, in our, in our populations. Also, as a part of our outreach, we do do some work in the undergraduate space that we have our Boost at Berkeley program, which supports, so which supports high school students in the Bay Area, and that ultimately that program has 100% graduation rate from high school and going into college, uh, as well as also provides opportunities for students to really understand success, but also have introductions to business education. And then also, I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that Haas also has a deferred MBA program where uh, we offer an opportunity for our undergraduate students to have an interest in an MBA, defer and be able to come back after two to five years of experience. Uh, and right now, our marketing has been uh, specifically focused around communities where uh, particularly uh, HBCUs as well as also HSIs and our focus in outreach in those areas. You know, you know, when you there's so many initiatives, it's almost mind boggling, to be honest, and difficult to get your arms around them because there's so many. Um, but one thing I want to come back to is uh, the point you raised about Hispanic students. And I think this is really an important point, because what the statistics show is that obviously the fastest growing demographic in America 
are Hispanics. And graduate management education does have an issue here, a challenge, because Hispanics traditionally have a smaller percentage of them have taken on graduate education. So what what do you think schools can do um, to help the Hispanic community understand the importance of higher education, in particular graduate management education, because the uptake is significantly lower than it would be for even other minorities and and even for whites. So I, I think the, the thing that I think about a lot is that it isn't always about things that, that we as institutions have to do. A lot of it's really around partnership. And a lot of, of it is really being open to, to hearing from specific communities in terms of what their needs are and making sure that we're serving those needs and that ultimately these communities that we're trying to outreach feel as though they're connected to our institutions. Mm. Uh, because I, as a former teacher and also um, a, a person who's watched lots of teaching movies, uh, I don't want to get in a sense of like this DI work has like a savior complex to it, where we have to go out and do things in specific communities where part of our work is to serve. And so ultimately, it's more of a question of how can I help versus like, what do you need to do to be a part of this group? And so and that's kind of like the the underpinnings of thinking about the Thrive Fellows program that we're running. It's really thinking about how do we help people be more prepared, even if they don't come to Haas? What do they just need in general? How can we serve? How can we be of help to people who might be thinking about this? How do we how do we actually answer the question of why graduate education or how you can make it happen or what are all the different pieces that are tied to it? Yeah, that's a that's a good point, obviously. Now, some people say this is a, a bit of a pipeline issue as well. And to that extent, uh, you did mention the initiative to reach out to high school students to basically you know, make them more aware of the benefits of graduate management education. Do you think there needs to be more efforts further down in the pipeline? As in like elementary school? Well, no, more more effort at high school level, I think. Because high school level is where, you know, people are mature enough to start thinking about, okay, what do I want to do with my life ultimately? Because they're going to apply to college or not. Uh, and I think that that that's really a, a good window to influence people. I, I would say yes. I think the, the big thing for me is that I am so... In the late 90s, early 2000s, I was really big into The Secret. And so in thinking about Oprah and the self-actualization, the visualization, uh, and as I think even about my own aspirations and the and the career trajectory I've been on, that a lot of it was grounded in seeing people who looked like me in spaces where I thought where I could be successful. And yeah. so I think as we think about that pipeline, that a lot of that is really making sure that members of those communities are supportive in the efforts as we kind of think about how to go back and kind of how to help grow people and help people have opportunity and have them have access that. And so I would agree with you that, yes, there probably is a lot more that we could be doing to help help that image and help those visions kind of happen for other people. Yep, exactly. Well, Anthony, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, really enjoyed it. What part of New Jersey were you from? I am from Jersey City. Jersey City. Okay. Well, you may not know this, but I was from Patterson. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yes, indeed. And, um, you know, Patterson's a tough town like Jersey City is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you grow up in the streets. uh, You know what it's about. Um, I had a wonderful upbringing in a a Puerto Rican neighborhood. And um, 
going to the bodega and having a lot of fun with my friends and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything in my, in my life. Yeah. The corner store, pizza parlor. I do miss pizza. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, thanks for joining us. And, well, and thank you for having me. Great there. All right. Uh, this is John Brennan with Poets and Quants. You've been listening to our part of our series on underrepresented minorities and diversity and equity, inclusion, and graduate management education. Our guest today is Anthony Witten, the Director of Diversity Admissions at the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley. This podcast is brought to you by the Graduate Management Admission Council. GMAC is an advocate working in partnership with a greater community to advance diversity, equity, inclusion, and graduate management education. Our vision is a world where every talented person can discover and benefit from the best business education for them. Learn more at mba.com and listen to our other episodes in this series. I think you'll enjoy them.